Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. Truth is, I really can't give away that information for free all the time. I thought they were asking whether they should leave their wife. That too. Well, go to my bookie. Check it out. They'll give you lines on all games. You can bet any sport. It's wonderful. You don't need me to talk to you. The Greek doesn't have to be in your ear all the time. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They're your best bet this season. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on any deposit over $100. You can use promo code MIZ25. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take advantage of this extra 25 bucks. You play, you win, you get paid. Take it from the Greek. My bookie is the way to go. That's right. Slam. This bud's for you, Mizzou. Johnson, and he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. You don't get no better than that, man. Tigers trying to turn up the tempo on second and five with a 40. Ryan with the time. The pass. It's a And off to Roundtree running left, gets 35 to the 40. Left side line around the man. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. We are bringing you a special edition of the Mazodcast today. The reason we're doing it is that one of the Tiger greats, the all-time greats from uh, the 1960 season where Missouri won the Orange Bowl, was number one in the country, and is a controversial choice for the uh, national champions in that season, Dan LaRose. He was a consensus All-American that season. He uh, was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. A lot of people don't remember it. It was uh, the early 1960s. But uh, Dan LaRose was one of the greatest Tiger football players to ever play. He passed away last Monday at the age of 80. Uh, He had a career in the NFL. He played for the Detroit Lions and uh, was a second-round draft pick there. He was was a cool guy and uh, added a lot to the legacy of the Missouri Tigers football program. I know these shows aren't for everybody. Maybe not everybody's a big history buff or anything like that. But uh, when we have an opportunity to bring you a show like this, we want to do it. And uh, if you do like it, I know I do. I'm really into the legacy of this program because I think the Tigers have a reputation for those who aren't aware of the long history of this program that uh, they were pretty damn good especially in the 60s and 70s, and uh, I like to bring that up when I can because some people think that uh, you know we're a new team, that we just came around a few years ago, especially our SEC brethren. So uh, I like to uh, bring this when I can because Missouri really is a pretty storied program, and uh, we had the opportunity to sit down 
with Dan LaRose a few years back, and he told us about his time at Missouri and uh, what brought him to campus and uh, the special season of 1960. And uh, it was really cool to have a chance to talk to Dan LaRose, and we wanted to let you hear it. So uh, if you're a Tiger history buff like I am, you'll enjoy it. If not, we're going to come to you soon and talk to you about uh, some of the stuff that's happened with the NFL draft. And, uh, of course, we're going to have a more fun sort of uh, movie review night with the program we've been talking up. But for now, here's a special interview we did a few years back with the Tiger great Dan LaRose. They call them split end at the time, maybe? Well, the split end would be on offense. And the one year, we okay. did try to put me out as a split end. I think one of the first couple passes out there was intercepted. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. the quarterbacks in those days, even in the pros, they couldn't they couldn't throw the ball to the sideline. So yeah. <laughs> you need a strong arm for These guys just flip it out there now. Yeah. So I was more of a tight end, I guess and close to the line because we did a lot of running and blocking and I was like I think the leading receiver on the team was like 13 passes (laughs) (laughs) how'd you end up at Mizzou who recruited you and what was your what what brought you there well I'm from Crystal City Missouri which is a very small town down uh, along the Mississippi River south of St. Louis and uh, people asked me about that and I actually was on the shot but I was a shot put champion for the state of Missouri and uh, so we were up at a track meet and that track coach introduced me to the Missouri coaches at the time. My coach didn't actually know anybody, I guess, but uh, we had one kid from Crystal City that went to Arkansas. So I had a, I got on a plane and flew down to Arkansas and, and talked to those people. And then after I came back, it was, uh, you know, Frank Broyles was the new head coach at Missouri. So he came down to Crystal City and watched me play basketball and he offered me a partial football track scholarship half half so that's actually the only offer I had uh, we had another kid from Crystal City who was going to Alabama and he sent all my clippings to Alabama but I never heard from him so <laughs> yeah. I was 6 foot 5 at the time I think but I didn't weigh very much and so I don't know what they knew if I could play or not Broyles didn't last very long at Missouri even though he was a sort of a hero at Arkansas right? he, well he, came he to- made a statement you know when Faroe ran the program, he wanted Missouri boys for, for Missouri's team, so he was trying to recruit all Missouri boys, and uh, Frank Burrell said, there's no way we, I can win on a national scale with only getting Missouri recruits. you got to go out and recruit other people, so he had an opportunity to go to Arkansas, which he did. It was interesting, a few years ago, they had all, they honored all the Missouri coaches mm-hmm. that were left asked Mr. Coaches, and he came back for the reunion, and uh, he said, I guess I was totally wrong, because I think, I don't think we played them, but we went on to become, you know, undefeated almost that 
yeah. my senior year. So, so you played for Dan Devine, and and when he right. was just and getting Dan started, came in my sophomore year, and uh-huh. I was supposed to be a tackle. I think that's what they had me down for a tackle, but I could catch the ball. They were throwing it harder than me, and I was catching it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> He might be an end. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like there were high expectations, or do you think that 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 season was came as a surprise to you guys that you did so well? Well, I, I vaguely remember when I was six foot five, looking around the room, like in training camp in September or whatever. I'm head and shoulders above everybody else in the room. <laughs> so I said, "Holy cow, we're going to get killed!" So we don't have any. We don't have any size at all. Yeah. Uh, Rocky Calhoun was our defensive tackle. He was like 6'1", 202 pounds. <laughs> he, he was a guard and a tackle, offensive guard and defensive tackle. Ron Taylor was the shortest guy on the team, and he was the quarterback. He was a quarterback, and then our sweeps, they call it, they yeah. call the sweeps, uh, student body right, student body left, and Ron would get the ball in the center and pitch it, and then he would throw the first block. So. <laughs> How many quarterbacks today would even think about blocking? Not too, not too many. No. <laughs> you guys started out against SMU. Well, we had played SMU down in the Texas Stadium, I think, our junior year. They had Don Meredith as their quarterback, so they weren't a slouch team. In fact, they had a pretty good reputation. I thought they were a pretty good team. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that another you... team. I don't know if it was SMU. Somebody came to Missouri, and we had them twenty to nothing at halftime. And we went into the locker room celebrating, screaming, and hollering, "Man, we're the best ever!" And then they beat us twenty-one to twenty. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the, the biggest lesson we'd learned in the four years of college. There was that when you get ahead, just you're only halfway through the game. Calm down and learn to play the game or play it hard. So. Were you guys when you were playing? Were you cognizant of the of the polls and where you guys were ranked, or did you not care about that kind of thing? Leave that to the. Yeah, I think we did. Now I uh, I, I had some preseason uh, sports magazines uh, that predicted what teams would finish in the Big Eight and in the 12, Big Ten and all that stuff. And we were considered a dark horse. We, we weren't even considered the top tier of the Big Eight. But we had Oklahoma, so. They call them the Oklahoma and the Seven Dwarfs, what they call <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was our goal in life. I mean, we we went down there. I'm sure you've heard the story of playing Oklahoma when they threw oranges at us and boom a center and then you, your bench is right in front of the student section. So mm-hmm. our sophomore year is when they killed us, they clobbered us, and that's when Dan Devine got up and made a promise to the seniors and the room that day that our senior year, my senior year, we would beat Oklahoma in Oklahoma. (laughs) And we did. That was a big accomplishment. Yeah, that's great. And so the second game was against at home again against Oklahoma State and you won 28-7. I don't remember them at all. I just, uh, they weren't, it seemed to me like they were the eighth team to come into the the league. I was big seven for years and years. Then I think Oklahoma State came in. Nobody knew much about them. I didn't remember even, you know, playing them or what they were all about. But uh, Oklahoma overshadowed them so much. So the big turn, it looks like to me, in the season came the first road game when you played a Big Ten school, played ranked Penn State, and beat them 21-8. I think that's that's the game that that made me an All-American. 
we went into Pittsburgh, or we went into State. Penn State to play them. The World Series was being played out there in either, I don't know, Philadelphia or someplace out there. So all the sports writers in America was there at the time. Mike Ditka had the, was a big name in college football as an end at the time. Mm-hmm. I punted and kicked off, so. I only caught like two touchdown passes my senior year, and I caught one in Penn State. <laughs> yeah. And I punted the ball one time 70 yards, and we beat them. So the, the newspaper clippings that I had seen at the time said, you know, when I talk about Mike Ditka, we saw the best in America, maybe right here. So <laughs> the fact that all the newspapers were there, I think I just, I thought it was a big, they weren't big 10 at the time, but uh, they were a ranked team. And they had been to the Orange Bowl a couple times before us, because I think when we looked at pictures uh, showing who went to the Orange Bowl, we went by junior year and senior year, so first year we lost to Georgia and Fran Tarkington. The Penn State game was the turning point for us that year, because now people started to sit up and say, hey, wait a minute, who are these guys? You know, we don't know if it was a fluke or not, but I mean, here we beat them. They were a nationally ranked team, and we beat them, so you yeah. got to think, hey, something's right. <laughs> yeah, on the road, too, in a hostile. Yeah. It was a funny. Mm-hmm. We kept thinking about how we're going to get to Penn State. Do we fly? <laughs> because uh, Columbia Airport only holds DC-3s at the time, so you could fly a DC-3 to St. Louis, get on a bigger plane, fly to Pittsburgh, get on a smaller plane. Because I remember we landed at, like, the, the Black Moshannon Airport, which was a dirt runway, and we get off in the dirt and mud, and the deer tracks are right in the runway. <laughs> I think, I thought we were only on one plane. There might have been two, but I remember coming back. It was a it was a storm so bad that somebody, one of the businessmen on from Missouri had a heart attack or something on the plane, and we were laughing and carrying on, saying, hey, everybody, throw your wallets in a pile so when we go down, they'll know who we are. <laughs> but it ended up, we flew all the way from Columbia, Missouri, to the Black Machina Airport in those DC-3s. Wow. They'd have to tell, okay, you got to sit in the front till we get this thing off the ground, then you can move back to your seat. <laughs> get the center of gravity, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, and we were practicing on this field, and... We'd run out for a pass, and here come the pass, and when you reach up to get it, oop, it fly over your head. You kept doing that. We realized the, uh, hit, the football field was on a slant. It was on the side of a mountain. <laughs> so you would be running out there, and the ball would sail, sail over your head. And what is this? <laughs> I, I never knew for sure, but I always thought that that was the first game they played in their new stadium out there. So I, I never confirmed, but I just thought that's uh, that was the first game there. I don't know. Okay. And then you went to Air Force. It looks like that was played in Colorado. Do you remember? The important that? thing about that game was that Air Force had knocked off Iowa a couple of weeks before, and Iowa was a nationally ranked team. And mm-hmm. So the whole United States thought this Air Force team was uh, – Something it was really something. And so we, we, we took that as truth that, you know, here we're going against an Air Force team that uh, is a pretty good fo- football team and we got to be careful. They're going to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> and in the high altitude out there. And uh, I mean, we woke up in the middle, in the morning at our hotel room, looked out and there's mountains and snow. And, Holy cow. What is this? <laughs> that again and again, when you're talking about like myself personally making All-American that year, 
I had a good game there too. Again, mm-hmm. second pass I caught that year for touchdown was in Arizona. So now we got all the press from the West there. Mm-hmm. So we covered both the East and the West in, in that length of time. And so now they're starting to, the press is starting to notice it. So the interesting thing here is you had three straight road games and looked like tough games. And I don't know what Kansas State looked like at that time, if they were any good or not, but you beat them at Kansas State 45 to nothing. So I assume they weren't any good at all. No, no, they never, ever, ever was good. That was sort of the patsy on the squad. They were, you just knew you could beat them. You could win that game. And I think one of the strengths of a good coach like Dan Devine and his staff was that they knew there would be a lip down, I think, if we go out there to Kansas State because they weren't good. We were riding high, and if we're not careful, they could come back and nip us. But Do you think that was one of the best defenses in the U.S.? Well, that was all on a Friel's defenses, you know. And, uh, uh-huh. As I said, we were upright linebackers, and we were blitzing from the outside almost every play. And uh, I just wonder why some of these teams don't do it today. After a three-game stretch of road games, you come back home, play Iowa State, and it's the same old story. You beat them 34-8. to So far, nobody's scored even 10 points on, on you. Iowa State, again, they had a good team. They just uh, they weren't ranked at all, I don't think, ever nationally. They had uh, Tommy Watkins, who came up and played with the Lions with me. He became a good friend of mine. He died a couple of years ago. But mm-hmm. He was on that. Iowa State team at the time. So. But you come home to Iowa State. Was it noticeable when you came, when you played back in Columbia and here you were a top 10 team all of a sudden from the community standpoint and the fans? You know, I think Missouri liked the football, but if I remember, we only had like 35,000 seats, so we pretty much filled up every weekend anyway. So, so what, there wasn't a noticeable uptick in your eyes? No, no, I think, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're you're walking around campus and everybody knows who you are. So you got your letter jacket on. It's good for finding girls, I imagine. Oh yeah, I mean, it was just fantastic. So. <laughs> so. No, they they knew we had something special. I think the fans knew it and we knew it. You played at Nebraska, and of course Nebraska's got a historic football team. But were they were they at that point the kind of Nebraska football that that I've always no known? that was before again before they ever. Uh, I think when Dalvaney came in there, he turned that program around. They had some big names. They had Thunder Thornton or somebody like that, who they gained a lot of yards, but they just weren't a powerful team. I remember back, I think it was my sophomore year we were playing there, and uh, I'd been over the ground, and there was uh, money on the ground. So trains and stuff. I, when the play started, I reached down and grabbed all this money and was stuffing my pocket when the play was going on. <laughs> and I, I swear the guy across from me had a leather helmet on. I just, I vaguely remember that. He had a leather helmet on. <laughs> I said, holy cow, what kind of team is this? <laughs> the funny thing about that game, we were, we were a happy-go-lucky bunch, you know. Mm-hmm. We were great friends, and we'd sit around, and uh, we were walking down. It was like Mel, Mel West, North Stevenson, and myself, and Jim Miles. And a few guys, and we were walking down the street in Nebraska before the, the night before the game, and we were one foot in the gutter and one foot on and laughing and carrying on, just having a hell of a time. And the, the vine saw us, and he screamed, you get back to your room. So the next day for breakfast, we're all sitting around at the table looking at each other like, we know we're going to get chewed out. So he chews us out real big like, you guys are going to get killed today. You're not 
not serious. You're not ready for this game. Blah, blah, blah. And it was all we could do to keep from laughing. So we had nicknames for each other, like Norris Numb Nuts or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody mentioned that, and it just, we almost broke up. I know we would have got, we probably wouldn't even got to play that day. In a couple instances, like he, he worked us so hard before we went that first Orange Bowl. I, we almost dropped. We were out on the field just dropping and, you know, saying we should just quit. I mean, this is stupid. We were, we were going to, that was our last practice before we went home for, I think Christmas vacation. Then we came back and met some, St. Louis or someplace for Christmas Day. We flew to Florida, but he worked us very hard. As I said, yeah. I was the heaviest guy on Missouri's football team my senior year. And I weigh 220 pounds. <laughs> well, they, they got quarterbacks way more than that now. Yeah. Defensive linemen, if they're not 300 pounds or 290, 280, then they, they don't want them. So, I mean, he kept us slim. But we never got hurt. We had very few injuries. Do you think at that point, when, when you're that close to the top, it started sneaking into your all's mind that you could possibly win a title, national championship? Oh, I don't remember ever thinking that we were – could be number one. I just, I think we all started realizing we had a pretty good football team. Yeah. And in those days, we wanted to get back. We wanted to beat Oklahoma, and we wanted to get back to the Orange Bowl and win a game. So those were our priorities. And then whether we, wherever we finished at the time, they, the polls weren't that, if I can remember correctly, they weren't that big a thing in those days, you know. Our two goals were to beat, well, actually, we want to beat Oklahoma, you want to beat Kansas, and then you want to get to the Orange Bowl. <laughs> and it's unusual that, two te- that a team go two years in a row, but we had been our junior year, so. So you come home, Colorado's ranked 18th in the country. No, they were a good program, and we had been out there the year before, and you have to run through their stands to get up to the, the dressing room, and they threw snowballs at us, and <laughs> threw, again, two oranges and everything laughing at us. Uh, it was a miserable game out there, but they had, like, Boyd Dowler and, some big names on their team, and uh, I think we 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 blocked them up pretty good. I mean, they our defense kept them from scoring. I'm, it probably was two field goals. Uh, Who would you say that the stars were on the team that sort of emerged? Well, that was a funny thing. We didn't have any big stars. Uh, Bucky Wagner was supposed to be our big star that senior year. He's a big tackle. Then he got his foot caught in a lawnmower before the senior season. <laughs> he couldn't play that year. We just all gelled together as a team. We liked each other. We played well together. We did things together, and uh, everything was going well. On the road at Oklahoma. Well, I think, you know, that's the game that uh, Norm, Norm Stevenson, Stevenson had such a wonderful game, but uh, he was a fast back, and he he would always run to the sideline, you know, he never made the turn, but for some reason, yeah, I don't know why it was Oklahoma's defense, but he, he was able to make the turns, and boy, he was running like crazy, and Mel West, I think, had a good game. Mm-hmm. Donnie Smith was a left-handed halfback, so he had a good game also, and our sweep was working very well. They had an attitude in Oklahoma, like they, you know, you can't beat them down in Oklahoma, and they're booming sooner and stuff, so maybe they took us too late or something. Right. Again, if you've been on top for so many years as they had, and we'd never beat them, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So you win that game at Oklahoma, and that puts you number one in the country for pro- first time ever in Missouri's history. You think? I think so. Probably. I don't even know if they had uh, had any type of rankings back 
much earlier than that. I, I don't know that for a fact, but everything we did that year, I mean, the first team go 3-0, and 4-0, and 5-0, 6-0. Everything we did was the first. It was a- so the next game was the big controversial one, the Kansas game, 23-7. What do you attribute that that game to, that, that loss, after being able to – nobody would scored that many points on you all year long. Well, I think the problem was uh, we got outcoached, unfortunately. Everybody knew that our our strength was the end sweeps, go around right, go around left. So I talked to coaches that had coached at Kansas at the time. They said they didn't put any backfield. You know, they didn't have any defensive backs in the defensive field. They put them all up on the line and met us head on when we came around in, either end. So in looking back, and I don't know if they had people up in the stands that could call down, but uh, you drop one or two short passes over the center, and the guy could run forever. The, the in-sweep that carried us through the season, so we were going to run the in-sweep. We kept what, running the in-sweep. Uh, there are certain times in football I've noticed in other sports that whatever you do, it, it's not going to turn out right. <laughs> it didn't happen that day. I guess it's something we'll regret the rest of our life. We could have been undefeated, number one in the nation. Now that brings me to the whole Burt Cone situation with the illegal player. Was there any any ideas from you guys that, that there was a possibility that Kansas was playing either an illegal player or that there was a possibility of there ever being a forfeited game or was all of that stuff stuff that came up after the season was over? None of that stuff ever came up. We we never knew that they had any problems over there and we went to play the game while they came to play the game. We had won the year before, I think, on a last minute. We stopped them on the goal line or something. We, it was very exciting. So they were a better team than us, I think, our junior year. And we beat them for the, our, to go to the Orange Bowl. And then our senior year, we think we had a much better team than they did. Maybe that's what we were thinking. Now, as far as us, I think the ball players in our mind, we, we had a 10 and 1 season. That's it. I don't know what it was. Again, I think it, it was a coaching problem that we weren't prepared for what they were giving us or they came up with all this new stuff that anything that you know i think that's when you're on top people gun for you and they change their offense they change their feet because they're going to lose anyway why not go for it though what was the attitude like after was it pretty devastating for everybody after it was devastating i had the city of crystal city had come up to give me a plaque for <laughs> and they were all and that was the elks club my uncle was the president of the elks and i hope town was there and I had to come out and face them. You know, that was one of the most difficult days of your life, you know. What can you say? You just got whooped. <laughs> the problem was we didn't we could have been undefeated number one in the nation, which was, you know, a rarity, very rare in those days, even today to go undefeated for a season. It's sure. Difficult. So that's what hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't think where we stood in the rankings well it would have been important to be number one in the nation undefeated that that is so then, you know, there's the big break between the end of the season and the, and the Orange Bowl. Navy has a good team. they got a Heisman Trophy winner. President Kennedy is going to the football game. What did you all think your chances were against that team? Or what was the attitude of the team going into the Orange Bowl? I think we thought that, when looking back now, I didn't realize that the, the Navies and the Armies were so good in those days. Uh-huh. I think we felt we could we could win the game. And our junior year, I think that was the first big game bowl game that Divine had ever gone to and we were working out twice a day before the, the week before the game running up down the bowl
Boulevard in Miami Beach, and he almost, he worked us to death. <laughs> we were scrimmaging, and so time of game come, we were dead. We were dead tired. We got beat. The next year, he eased off on us. We didn't do the workouts we did. We we got ourselves in shape, and so he was better prepared. We were better prepared, so. And Bellino, you know, we kept him in check, so. <laughs> Picture of that avatar for 1960 of me tackling Joe Bellino. It says right there in the caption. My son-in-law sells used cars up in Vermont, and Joe Bellino's in some kind of wholesale used car, so they they got to each other. They got his phone number. I talked to Joe, and we took that picture and sent it to him to get him sign it, and uh, he sent it back. So that's not me. That's the fallback. So. <laughs> There is another picture of me tackling around the ankles, and so we made that and sent it to him. So he did find those for us. There you go. <laughs> so uh, Minnesota's or AP says Minnesota's the champion. They went ahead and they lost their game against the Washington Huskies. And I saw a few years ago the Huskies claim they're claiming the national championship for themselves, like in 2007 or something. They had a little ceremony for you know the football team did claiming that title. Uh, like I said, Iowa and Ole Miss both had one-loss seasons. My contention is that while nobody had a, a clear undefeated season, with the controversy about the Kansas game, you guys are the closest thing to an undefeated season there was that year. Granted, you got beat by Kansas, but everybody got beat by somebody, and you just happened to be unlucky enough to lose at the end of the season, whereas the other teams got beat earlier on. Now, my feeling, as I said earlier, is that if, if they choose a champion in those days like they do today, after the bowl games, that we would have been number one. But because they choose before the bowl games, then we get knocked down to four. You lose just like what is Mississippi lost, and they went from four to seven or something right. last week. So they're pretty rough on you when you lose. <laughs> That's right. But in, at the end of the season, you don't have any time to climb back up. No, you can't. So either. That's why... If they had voted afterwards, I'm sure, I think we would probably been up there number one. Yeah. Because we're playing Navy, and Navy's got the Heisman Trophy winner. Right. And we beat them. We're just good old country boys, you know. We went, I went to New York for the All-American uh, show. <laughs> I, I fell out of place. <laughs> had you ever been to New York before that? No, and they gave me $100 to spend. Well, the, the cab, I would get a cab down to the airport. He said, you want to go to the fast route or the... Sightseeing, well, sightseeing route, you know, what the heck. So I think he took 50 bucks of my money. <laughs> just get to the airport, just get to the hotel, so. Yeah, he saw you coming a mile away, it sounds like. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't have many people drafted off that team to go into the pros. and uh, But there was no, not one person was uh, obnoxious or stood out that mm -hmm. uh, the other people didn't like him or anything like that. We'd have somebody ring the hall phone, and then we'd call, Hey, Norris, it's uh, St. Louis Cardinals call, and he'd run down there. <laughs> we, we did a lot of jokes, put a lot of jokes on each other. And stuff. Yeah. Dan Devine claims that that was the start of Missouri's prominence in football. That was a 59, probably 59 year. We went to Michigan, and as I said, we're used to playing before 35, 35,000 people. And we go out on Michigan Stadium, and it's half full, and we're embarrassed. But in reality, there were 55,000 people there. Yeah. We were getting beat, and so we we drove down the field and scored at the last minute. And 
Dan Devine had come from Michigan State, so he didn't like Michigan anyway. And he'd recruited some kids from Michigan. And we went back there, and we couldn't get the door open. And he was screaming on us. We broke it down and went on in there. (laughs) (laughs) And I've heard him say it at least ten times when he's talking to a group of people or if he has me come up in front of him who he's talking to. And he said, you know, this to him was the start of Missouri's football that got recognized nationally as a good football team. What were your impressions of him as a coach? Well, he's a different kind of guy. I mean, I, I took Michigan State, played at Missouri a few years ago, and they had a little uh, get-together for some of the ball teams. And so six or seven, six or I think about four or five couples from here went down with us to see the game, my son and everybody, and then Divine was up on the stadium. Who's this? Who's that? And I'd tell him, and he'd write it on top of a, you know, just an envelope. And he'd get up there and he'd hear him, ha, ha, And I'd say, how, you know, how could a guy can't speak? How could he, how could he motivate you guys? And I'd say, well, he would say, come on, you guys, let's get out there. And, uh, and we'd go, okay, fired up. We'd jump up and start banging water. <laughs> he was not a motivational speaker in any sense of the way. And, we honestly, we used to laugh. We didn't think he knew his offense or his defense. He just had great assistant coaches, and he had a he had a system of uh, rule blocking: man on or man the inside, man on or man the outside. So it's a very simple system. Mm-hmm. And then he had good uh, Al on the was his defensive coach, and Al knew his stuff, and he was very good. So what was interesting to me, uh, I was uh, consensus, I think they call it, and. When Michael Sams got uh, was an All-American this year, he was a consensus All-American. So yeah. it was 50 years ago, and they said no one has been a consensus All-American in 50 years. Well, you think back, then that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no matter how good or great Missouri's football, there hasn't been a one since. So. Yeah, that's... I, mean, I, I was shocked when I... They sent me, the, my buddy down in Crystal City sends me clippings and keeps me informed, so... I was shocked when that came out. So that sent you to the NFL. I got a nice, nice draft choice with the Lions. So I had six years in the pros. What was your three with the Lions, and I was traded around. What was your what's your best memory of playing football, either college or professional? You think? Well, there's a lot of good memories. I think uh, the camaraderie of the team at Missouri is always special to me. Uh, my dad, who had never been out of Crystal City or the state very often in his life, I think. He and a bunch of the parents from that senior team or that 60 team would take trains to all these away games. I mean, I think he saw every one of our games. Wow. That's great. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, that was something giving back to my dad that my mother had died when I was 13. So my dad was following me wherever I went. So it was important to me. And then every part of Missouri football goes back to 1960. Well, Devine said he didn't. He said if he's going to buy us all rings, but he, he never did. I think when he got back and started working with the university, uh, then he died. So yeah. that never happened. Well, thank you. Thank you again. And uh, I, I really do appreciate you giving me some of your time. Thank you. So there you have it. As you can see, Dan was a really cool guy. He had great memories of his time as a Tiger football player in the 1960 season. I love talking to him. I hope you enjoyed listening to him. And 
He'll be remembered as one of the Tiger greats. And so as you're getting ready to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, raise a glass of margarita for the great Dan LaRose. M-I-Z. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Comfortable. 